and welcome to the seventh edition of the Marta Folk Podcast. My name is Natalia, and here I talk with early career female researchers about their journey to science and their life beyond scientific research. Marta Folk Podcast is created and produced by Forschungsverbund Berlin, an alliance of eight research institutes in Berlin, Germany. My guest today is a material scientist, Anastasia Uvarova. She is currently a doctoral student in the section of Crystalline Materials for Photonics of the Leibniz Institute for Crystal Growth. In her project, Anastasia is developing oxide and fluoride crystals to build new, ultra-short pulse lasers on their base. Anastasia has completed her master's and bachelor's degrees in the area of material science of semiconductors and dielectrics at the National University of Science and Technology, MISIS, in Moscow. But science and crystal growth were not always on the first place in the list of her career options. From a very young age and until her 20s, Anastasia was an aspiring athlete and planned a professional sports career. She competed in national and world-level championships in swimming and triathlon. I have talked to Anastasia about what made her pursue a scientific career in the end, and how her experience as an athlete helps, or maybe doesn't help, in her current work. Enjoy listening! Hi Anastasia, welcome to the podcast. I know that you are now at the end of, your, of the third year of your doctorate. How is it going with your project? Even I'm, uh, in the third year of my PhD, I'm still doing some experiments. I'm working in the group focused on uh, laser material for laser application uh, in collaboration with the oxide fluoride group, uh, which is focusing on the growth. So my work is focusing on three things, uh, the growth of laser material, making spectroscopy, laser characterization, and laser experiments. So I still need to carry out some uh, growth experiments, and for sure these new, new crystals uh, should be characterized and utilized for the lasers. Um, and you just described your project and it looks like you're doing so many different things. What is, the, what is your favorite or most exciting thing for you in your work? I think I, li um, I like... I, I cannot tell exactly what is the best. I like more or less everything the same. But as my background is more in material science, uh, some parts of my work are more complicated for me than others. <clears throat> for example, part of characterization and lasers uh, is more complicated as when I started my PhD, I didn't know so much about. In these parts, I need more learning than in the growth, for example. Where, where, where do you get most, um, <clears throat> most inspiration? I would say I like growth, when you grow, when you need to solve problems during the mm -hmm. grow, uh, if, as not all materials easy for growth. And it's interesting for me to, uh, to make lasers. Mm -hmm. That's also interesting because I never did and it's something new and it's something new for learn. Characterization, it's interesting, but uh, when you do once, next time you did the same and the same and mm -hmm. the same. So it's. So it's more Repeat routine. Yeah. yeah, it's more like routine. And why, um, why have you become interested in crystal growth from the first place? I was, uh, um, when, I start, when I started studying, I was studying material science and nanotechnology in Russia. There were 
lectures mm -hmm. uh, about uh, and laboratory work related with growth, as well as we had classes about material structure. And for me, it was one of the interesting classes. Uh, also, it could be that I had such a strong interest in material science as I was all my childhood spending in the laboratory of my grandma. So she's okay. chemist, but and she was working with the growth. So, so your grandmother was a crystal grower. Yes. And do you remember some particular? Do you have some particular <laughs> memories from from this childhood? What was the most uh, exciting? Did you like to see these machines growing? Did you like to see your grandmother solving problems? What? Um, I couldn't remember my grandma solving problems because <laughs> probably I was not so in the topic mm -hmm. what they're doing. For sure, the uh, growth stations was mm -hmm. something amazing for me because they were so big, they opened them, you can take a look inside. And the interested part when the growth is finished, mm -hmm. when they remove the crystal, which is sometimes colorful, mm -hmm. and as a child, it was very interesting. Yeah, it's, it's very exciting. Yes. Did you take them home sometimes? Some, so, some bad growth, some bad examples. Even we had some good growth. If mm. we had enough material mm. uh, and project was over, my grandma saved some samples. Mm. In. So I think we still have a box of different <laughs> crystals. To play with. And why did you choose to do your PhD at Tekatsat? Did you knew this institute before? <clears throat> no. So when I started looking for PhD positions, I didn't hear about institute for crystal growth at all. I was looking around and mostly tried to find PhD position in Dresden, as I was there an exchange student for six months. But there was no topic fitting to me and my background, so after some time I was also searching in the internet and I found the ICATSAT page on the, in the internet, mm -hmm. read a little about uh, and connect them. So from when I see it's about growth, I was thinking, okay, as minimum it's fitting to my background, it could be interesting for me. And then you found a project uh, I was quite, suitable. Yes, I was quite lucky. They, they opened the laser group. So they was also interested in new PhD. Uh, they had exactly pro starting project. Mm -hmm. So I, I will say I quite, was quite lucky with mm -hmm. timing at yeah, this yeah. point. Let me change the track now and move a bit to a different direction uh, from science to sports because it's also a big part of your life and you're a triathlete and according to Russian ranking system you're a master of sports which corresponds to in Europe to... Can you help me? Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm master of sports in Russian ranking. Here in Europe is a different ranking uh, mm -hmm. than Russia. Here's a different league so if compare the rank in Russia, it was the highest leagues. Mm -hmm. uh, so in Germany, it Bundesliga. Mm -hmm. so, so, so how did it start for you, for you? Actually, as a child, I was starting with swimming, and then uh, around six, when I was around sixteen, I was uh, changing my uh, changing to triathlon. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I switched to triathlon, I actually didn't like so much training, but I was amazed by the competition. Mm -hmm. And then after my first competition, I decided to stay in triathlon. I think the competition was the most interesting part. Mm -hmm. in, uh, in So this competitive spirit uh, motivated you to keep going? Yes, I think the people around uh, the triathlon, 
they, they try to do competition, a small show for people. So mm -hmm. there's uh, a lot of people whom, when you are cycle or when you are running, you could hear who support you. So it's usually very interesting and very fun. And uh, so basically you have considered to be a professional athlete. Yes, I was uh, participating not just in the country level, but mm -hmm. also at the European and world level. Mm -hmm. So I was in triathlon. Mm -hmm. uh, I was taking part in competition, world championship, world cups, European cups, uh, American cups. So I was mm -hmm. traveling a lot through different countries. And you were also reconciling it with your studies, right? So yes. you were also studying at the same time in this? Uh, yes. Yeah. So at um, in the last two grades at school, it was a little bit easier. I was in special school, which mm -hmm. had more evening time for studying. So in the morning, all morning till one, I was on the training. And all evening I spent at school. It was special school for people who is training. And when I choose studying in uh, science university, it was more complicated. Because in Russia, usually people who are doing sports in pro at professional level, they are studying in university where they are learning how to become coaches. Mm -hmm. so not scientists. Not scientists. It's very rare that people doing professional sports mm -hmm. uh, stay in science or in material science, in uh, engineering, in, in engineering, even in economy. So mm -hmm. maybe in some better university where you don't need even to come to, the, to, to lectures, to attend lectures, mm -hmm. could be they could study, but usually it's always sport university. Mm -hmm. And was there a moment uh, when you finished mm -hmm. university that you decided that you go to, to continue with sports or you continue with science? When um, was this turning point? When I was in Dresden, I still was training in the club there, but my relation with uh, Russian federal uh, sports, sports uh, colleagues, I don't mm -hmm. know how right it's named, uh, was not already the best because they want that you always training with them, always they can control you and so on, and I was not under their control. So we had already not so good relation. Even I had to go to competition because I, I, I was very, one of the best in country. They could say, no, you will mm -hmm. not go. But this was one of the case where mm -hmm. it's become more complicated to, mm -hmm. to take part in competition and so on. And um, when I was in Dresden, I realized that I'm interested to try uh, to do a PhD. In Russia, I would never do that. It's not so interesting. We are, don't have such good equipment. And in Europe, uh, the station I knew, you can work easy. Without, you don't need to ask every time permission. You can try things. Yeah. yeah, you can try things, right. So when I started to do PhD, I didn't have any more enough time mm -hmm. for that. So I stopped, to do, I stopped training with a club. I try still training by myself when I know with my friend mm -hmm. uh, to, to do running or cycling, but it's not anymore such level. So it was kind of just happening. It was just a natural decision yes. that just came. Yes, it, it was um, situation with uh, Russia not the mm -hmm. best. Also, actually, 
I was tried to changing uh, for another country, Belarus, mm -hmm. to be representative of Belarus, but their situation is not better. So they also want to control you, yeah. and triathlon levels are even lower. So training with their athlete was bad idea. Mm -hmm. So when I start to communicate with them, we had a decision that I will not training with their mm -hmm. athlete, but at the end they change their mind and they become more complicated. So. It was natural changes, mm -hmm. which I couldn't avoid. But then you, you also continued in a way, you get a coach education, right? Yes. Uh, in Why Russia, did you do this? In Russia, before I found PhD position, it takes for me more than one and a half year. As I already had a bachelor I could, and had a high rating in, tri in triathlon, so high rating mm -hmm. in sports, I could apply for a master's de degree in uh, Uh, to become a coach. So, uh, and I decided uh, why not to have a second degree mm -hmm. as I wasn't sure if it will be possible to find PhD in Germany. And then in, in Russia, I was not interested in PhD. There was some kind of second possibility mm -hmm. to work on plan. something what I would like. To sort of plan B. Yeah, plan B. So I, uh, yeah, I take part in these classes. It was a little bit shorter than usual master degree, so one and a half year or something. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I have an education. Mm -hmm. So I can train uh, children and adults. So I was... Would you like to do it at some point? Maybe after you finish uh, the doctorate? I can cannot answer mm -hmm. so clear. The one thing is not... With Russian education, it's, you cannot start immediately teaching uh -huh. people in sports because you need to get a license okay. so I can need to study yeah. <laughs> uh, and second uh, I mean if I couldn't find any position in uh, in science or in company related of my um, study background or my PhD background then it will be as a plan B <laughs> as well so <laughs> it's nice to, to have a buffer Also, I could use it as a not main work, but as a second mm -hmm. work, like a hobby. I mean, it's also could be not giving you big money, mm -hmm. but you can enjoy also doing sports with these people whom you teach. So mm -hmm. this could be as a hobby as well. <laughs> Did you have a chance to, to supervise people in science? Yes, I had a few students. Mm -hmm. uh, one student, I think he was a master student. I had one girl who she had a practicum. So yes, how was this experience? <laughs> it was uh, for me first. It was scary because I was didn't know what should I do, mm -hmm. how to to do that. But I think it's quite good when you are doing during PhD because mm -hmm. also you understand how to teach people and how to communicate with mm -hmm. students and so on. It's not always you have this opportunity. Yeah. So. Uh, with some people it was easier because they catch ideas very fast. They was having the same ideas or even better ideas or even give you some ideas. Mm -hmm. So it was quite easy and interesting. With some, it's a little bit more complicated, but still always was with a good result. Uh, and you mentioned before you start to enjoy um, triathlon in the competitions. Of course, it's a, it's a bit this competition <laughs> vibe as well. Um, but do you think you are a competitive person as well? Yes, I think I'm very competitive. So when I actually was reducing my triathlon career, for me also was hard to break to break this wall to become non-professional. So mm -hmm. why should I compete 
if I will not will not win it for sure not always win in competition but still as you are not professionals a little bit different feelings and I think this professional competition it's super different than non-professional because a non-professional people take part to get better results to dress and draw competition for me it's to get higher level to compete and so on And do you think that competitiveness somehow reflects um, in your work now in science? Yes, I think so. I think um, um, it's helped me do not give up too fast. So I think like in science you also can give up when things are not done. And it's in science not all things working so easy. So mm. sometimes you, you need more time you need to think and not just tell that's not working so mm -hmm. i think this thing is was helping me a little is there other things you can think about uh, of your character that you developed uh, thanks to the sports uh, experience and that uh, help you in in your work i cannot say for sure but i think there is one quality which even can disturb the work so i would say is the fact as with sports you are active You move all the time and in science work you need some time to be at one place alone, like for a long time and uh, you need to have at this point a lot of patience. Mm -hmm. That sometimes could be difficult because you want to move, you want to go on, but you need to sit and wait mm -hmm. or... Yeah, wait. Like it it just sometimes sweet, yeah. it grows. Sometimes, you need yeah. sometimes it's easy and you can even leave the growth when it's very stable mm -hmm. and easy going. But sometimes you need to stay there and it's even stable but you are not sure what will happen mm -hmm. next point. So you need to sit and watch just and when mm -hmm. you just watch without solving the problem, it could become a little annoying, boring, mm -hmm. and you want to stand up and do something, but you could not, you should stay there. Usually mm -hmm. it's happened with new material, for mm -hmm. example. You don't know how how it will behave, and you start the growth, and it looks everything stable, but you don't know what will be next, in the so, next second. Yeah. So, And then you sit and watch, and <laughs> you need a lot of patience for that. And do you have, um, have you made already any considerations what you want to do after? You mentioned or that you have a plan B. But, uh... <laughs> yes, actually not yet. So I actually don't have exactly a plan. For sure mm -hmm. I will be interested in a postdoc position. Mm -hmm. So I think then it will be more clear for me uh, the idea of science work mm -hmm. like after PhD. Because many PhD are more like learning a lot, you're a student, you're not science work, you don't uh, find the new projects on it. As a mm -hmm. postdoc, you start to looking around different ways. So for sure I would like to try it, mm -hmm. definitely. If I couldn't find the position in postdocs, then for sure something related with my background mm -hmm. could be in some companies. And is there any advice you could give to someone who's just, um, let's say, in the beginning of their PhD? So one of the advice uh, will not, will be do not give up too early. <laughs> that it will because it will be uh, a hard time as well during the PhD. So not all things will mm -hmm. go smooth and easy. And the second advice: start to write the thesis mm -hmm. a little bit earlier than the last six months. <laughs> and have you started already? No. <laughs> so I do the same mistake yeah. as everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like people told me this as well. Everybody says this. <laughs> Uh, yes, but I think when 
still we start to write our mm -hmm. thesis also when we start to uh, to publish our paper so it's it's your work what you publish it could mm -hmm. be some part of your thesis as well mm -hmm. for sure yeah it comes also with a good time planning i guess right yes. in advance to, yes. to think thank you very much thank you this was the seventh episode of the marta Fogt podcast thanks for listening we are almost at the end of this interview series but there is still at least one story to tell. In the next episode, I will be meeting a junior researcher from a Leibniz Institute for Zoo and Wildlife Research. Stay tuned. Bye.